You may be seated. And when you are, please open your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew. We're going to start there. Today we're going to look at two passages just briefly. Um, Their connection will be obvious to you. We're going to start at Matthew chapter 12. We're going to just read a few verses there, verses 38 through 42. And then we will move to the book of Jonah and look at the second chapter. Matthew chapter 12, verses 38 through 42. This is God's holy and inspired word. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him, saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. The queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. And here we will end the reading of God's word. I'd ask that you turn now to the book of Jonah. We're going to read um, chapter 2, but we are going to start with the last verse of chapter 1. So we'll be reading... Jonah chapter 1, verse 17, through Jonah chapter 2, verse 10. Again, this is God's holy word. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, And the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deeps surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head at the roots Of the mountains I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. 
But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Let's pray. Lord, we would ask that you um, would help us this day as we meditate upon your word and as we meditate upon Jonah, which you have given us as an example. Lord, we pray that you would help us to identify with him, uh, to understand we are also in need of change Lord, we would ask that you would help us to see you as well, to see your character. Lord, that we would know you, that we would grow in our trust and affection for you. We would ask for your help, Lord. Would you help us this this day? Would you give us ears? We'd ask that you'd hear our prayer. In Christ's name, amen. Well, I've got another one for you. In May of 2013... Harrison O'Kinney woke up at 5 a.m. and he had to use the restroom. I hate when that happens. Uh, But in this case, it saved the man's life. He was a crewman that worked on a tugboat about 20 miles off the coast of Nigeria. And as Harrison was using the restroom, the tugboat was hit by a wave that was so large that it flipped the ship over and it began to sink immediately. The cold water became rush, uh, came rushing in, and it pushed Harrison down the narrow hallway into a bathroom by the officer's cabin, and he held on to a wash basin there in order to keep his head above water. And before you know it, uh, knew it, the power was out, and the ship became completely black as it uh, sank down. The boat sank nearly 100 feet and eventually came to rest upside down on the seabed floor. Harrison was the only crew member that survived, and he was trapped at the bottom of the sea with only a four-foot air pocket to breathe. A rescue operation was launched immediately, and a a diving crew uh, located the wreck. The divers banged on the hull of the ship, and Harrison hammered back, but they didn't hear him. There were no evidence, or there was no evidence of survivors, uh, so the rescue mission was called off. And in the days to come, a new diving team was secured in order to retrieve the bodies of the lost crew members. And Harrison was alive, and he was terrified, and he was alone. He tried to think about his family, and Harrison was a believing man. Um, So he prayed. He said whenever he felt especially scared, he would pray and call out to Jesus to rescue him. And on the third day, There was a ray of hope. He heard what he thought might be the thud of an anchor dropping nearby. And then the sound of hammering came on the hall. Eventually, a light appeared in the darkness, followed by the hand 
of a diver who was shocked to find Harrison was still alive. With great care, the medical team was able to bring Harrison to the surface where he received the medical attention that he needed. In our text, we have Jonah in a similar situation, but much more terrifying than Harrison's. Jonah's lost at sea in more than one way, and he is in the belly of a great fish. This passage teaches readers that God rescues and restore those who pray in faith. You can see the theme of prayer in the text, can't you? Uh, Look at verse 2. Just scan your Bible. Look at verse 2. Look at verse 4. Look at verse 7. In fact, the majority of chapter 2 is a prayer. So as we meditate on this text, we're going to ask ourselves what the text says about prayer, what we can learn about prayer, and what it says about the character of God. We're going to begin with our first heading, Pray to the Lord who hears. Pray to the Lord who hears. The Lord told Jonah to go to Nineveh and to call that city to faith and repentance. But Jonah rebelled against the city and decided to flee his presence. He hired a ship and its crew and its crew to take him uh, to Tarshish. He went in the exact opposite direction that God told him to go. But the Lord, in his mercy, went after Jonah to rescue him. The Lord stirred up a furious storm to sabotage Jonah's escape and threaten uh, to sink the ship he was on. Uh, The ship's crew immediately began trying to save the vessel, but eventually they concluded that uh, this was no ordinary storm. They were on shore, but sensed that the storm was connected to the displeasure of of the divine. Everyone was gathered, and it was revealed that Jonah was behind, or or that he was the reason behind the storm. Jonah, in fact, confessed. He told the mariners that he was the reason they were experiencing the storm, and that the storm would cease if they would throw him into the sea. But the sailors were unwilling to throw him overboard. Instead, they attempted to row back to shore, but it was futile. So they prayed to the Lord. And then they threw Jonah into the raging sea. As Jonah splashed into the water below, he must have thought that he was about to die, that he was In fact, getting exactly what he deserved. But instead, he received mercy. Chapter 1, verse 17 says, And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. It could be fun to speculate on all sorts of questions here. I've kind of been doing that. What kind of fish was it? How big was it? Exactly how many hours was Jonah in the fish? 
How could Jonah possibly come out on the other end alive? But as fun as it is to speculate about those questions, the narrative really isn't about the fish at all. If you make the mistake of focusing too much on the great fish, you may lose sight of the great God who is demonstrating his mercy in this text. God commanded the fish to swallow Jonah to protect him from drowning. The fish isn't an instrument of judgment, but an instrument of correction, restoration, and salvation. This is the decisive turning point. Not only in the direction that Jonah's journey was headed geographically, but also spiritually. Jonah's ordeal at sea and in the belly of the fish were designed to bring the prophet back to his senses, to bring him to repentance. Repentance involves changing your mind and your life when it is contrary to God's commands when it's contrary to his word. Repentance acknowledges when thoughts, words, and actions are sinful. It sorrows over sin. It resolves to break with sin. It it pursues holiness. Jonah is finding resolve. He's finding Willing, willingness. He's finding himself ready to surrender. Verse 2 says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. God heard Jonah. The Lord is willing to restore people who call out to him in faith and repentance. He's willing to forgive those who have rebelled, those who have betrayed him, those who have abandoned him. For God's children, failure is never final. The whole purpose of the gospel is restoration In Luke 15, when the prodigal son returns home, he's embraced by the father. Jonah returns home. He returns to God's presence through prayer. He remembered God's grace for sinners. He remembered the provision God made for the salvation of people like him. Look at verse 4. Verse 4 says, Then I said, I am driven away from your sight. Yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. Jonah recalled the blood of lambs that was shed in the temple for the forgiveness of sin and the promised Messiah to come. It was through sacrificial blood that Jonah had hope of salvation. In verse 7, Jonah says, When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. 
and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. When Jonah felt like his life was slipping away, he turned to God. He turned to God in prayer, and then his prayer came rushing into the presence of the Lord. If you find yourself this morning like Jonah when he was aboard the ship running away from God, this passage teaches that God will hear your prayer if you turn to him and you ask him for help. This text also serves to remind you that God hears the prayers of his saints even in the midst of their darkest trials. Let that encourage your soul. Take comfort in that. As you look at this passage, you see how God goes about bringing Jonah's restoration and how he answers his prayer. You can see that the Lord hears prayer and that he helps. Our second heading is pray to the Lord who helps. Pray to the Lord who helps. The sovereignty of God is one of the major themes in the book of Jonah. As you read this book, you learn that God is intimately involved in the affairs of this world. And not only that, he's intimately involved in the lives of people. Right from the opening verse of this book, we see that the Lord speaks to his people. He he gives them direction. We have God's word contained in the pages of Scripture. And we see that the Lord cares for his people as well. Jonah wasn't in a good place spiritually. He seemed to have little to no concern for those that were perishing around him. And he decided to stop listening to the Lord. He's going to do whatever he wants to do whenever he wants to do it. So he flees. Now Jonah's rebellion doesn't change God's love for him, but it affects their relationship. The relationship between parents and children changes when a child does something wrong. The parents' love doesn't change. But the nature of their relationship must change until the problem is resolved. God begins helping Jonah before he even asks. He moves the wind and the sea in order to get his attention. But even though Jonah's life is on the brink and the storm is raging all around him, he seemed to remain unmoved at heart. He doesn't call out to God for help. He does absolutely nothing to save himself. He seems content to believe that his life is coming to an end. When Jonah is thrown overboard, he seemed to be at the mercy of the waves, but as everyone knows, this is not the end of him because the Lord had appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah to protect him from drowning. 
the great fish is in the exact right place at the exact right time by God's command. The Lord is willing to go to great lengths in order to bring Jonah back. But Jonah's hard-heartedness made that process painful. Jonah realizes that God is near. He knows that God can always be reached through prayer if you come to him in humility, if you come to him in honesty. Jonah understands that God is absolutely sovereign and that he is in control of all things. As he prays, he acknowledges that it is the Lord who has put him where he is. In verse 3, he says, For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. As Jonah begins to express his heart in prayer, you see some of the first indications that Jonah regrets leaving the presence of the Lord. And he continues to describe his heart-changing experience in verse 5, saying, The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God." Jonah sunk to the lowest point he has ever been at the roots of the mountains, at the bottom of the sea. Jonah's vivid description of the seabed serves as a metaphorical picture of his spiritual state. He's at the bottom. He feels like he couldn't go any lower Can I get any lower than this? When will it stop? This is where his unbelief and rebellion had led. Jonah laid this all out before God. And this is where a change of direction begins to take place in his heart. Verse 6 ends by saying, Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. Jonah identifies his rescuer, the one who will bring him up from the depths. Jonah says, it's the Lord, my God. The Lord is where you find the help that you truly need. Jonah says, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Jonah isn't the only one that God has raised from the pit. You remember that Joseph was sold into slavery by his envious brothers, and afterward he was purchased, and he earned his master's trust, and that allowed him to work freely in his house, but the lies of his master's wife thrust Joseph into prison for two years. But the Lord came to his rescue and delivered him. And what about Jeremiah? Do you remember when he was cast into the pit? The king of Judah came 
and gave his advisors the authority to do whatever they wanted to do with Jonah or with Jeremiah, and his advisors thought that Jeremiah should be put to death. So they threw him in an abandoned water system and cistern and left him to die in the cold mud. But Jeremiah wasn't alone. He cried out to the Lord for help, and God answered. God raised up a group of men to rescue Jeremiah and to lift him out of the pit. Right? Jeremiah suffered through hard providence, but God protected him throughout the entire siege of Jerusalem, even though at times it looked like that he was not going to survive. Where do you find yourself this morning? If you find yourself like Jonah, down at the bottom, pray. Tell God exactly where you're at. Ask him to do a transformative work in your heart. Commit your life to him. Maybe you feel more like Joseph or Jeremiah. Maybe you feel imprisoned by some trial, like like you're stuck at the bottom of a pit. If so, continue to call out to the Lord in prayer. Don't give up. He hears. This passage demonstrates that God hears prayers and that he responds with help. And you can see that that help is transformative. His help brings healing. Our third heading is pray to the Lord who heals. Pray to the Lord who heals. This Saturday, this coming Saturday, it marks the one-year anniversary of when I arrived in Indianapolis. Um, And that's an important date to me, so it's on my mind. But even if it wasn't, even if it wasn't, my phone won't let me dream of missing it. It keeps giving me reminders of photos I took exactly one year ago today, right? Right? Maybe you get those. Well, I clicked on one of those messages and it brought me uh, to pictures of the house that I sold in Los Angeles. And I had uh, done a lot of work on this house before I put it on the market. And the photos that came up were before and after photos of each of the rooms. Um, We gave the house an entirely a different look. Total interior paint, new blinds, new carpeting, new ceiling fans, um, everything. We, we did everything, you name it. The transformation of the house was amazing. And as we look at this passage, we see an amazing transformation of Jonah. God uses this trial, this corrective discipline to bring him healing. In verse 8, Jonah says, Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. You see, Jonah's transformation is such that he now wants others to know how misguided they are if they forsake the steadfast love of the Lord. 
Steadfast love is a translation of the Hebrew word hesed. And translators have struggled to find an English word that communicates the full meaning of this Hebrew word. And yet understanding it is vital to knowing how God relates to his people, to knowing how God relates to you. In different versions of the Bible, you may see this word translated as mercy, um, his kindness, his goodness, faithfulness, loyalty. And there's, there's no single English word that quite captures the fullness of its meaning. That's why some translators use more than one word to try to communicate its meaning, like, like steadfast love, loyal love, or loving kindness. What a travesty to reject the Lord and to never know his steadfast love. The work that has taken place in Jonah's heart is such that he desires to respond to God's steadfast love in worship. Jonah makes his commitment to the Lord in verse 9. He says, But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed, I will pay. Jonah commits to bringing a sacrifice to the temple as an expression of his gratitude. He wants to express his thanksgiving to God for saving his life. In Psalm 50, verse 23, God says, He who sacrifices a thank offering honors me, and to him who writes his way, I will show the salvation of God. Jonah's going to bring worship from his heart He wants to express that with a thank offering, with a tongue that is full of praise. You see, Jonah began wanting to flee from the presence of God. Now he wants to flee to the presence of God. He began walking in disobedience to the Lord's command. Now he's pledging to fulfill his vows and walk in obedience. Jonah is willing to return to his prophetic post, to his office. This is an appropriate response to the gift of God's salvation. Of course, we no longer offer animal sacrifices because they're no longer required. The ceremonial laws fulfilled in Christ. The sacrifices were always, always, always meant to be temporary. They foreshadowed the once-for-all sacrifice made by Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What Jonah looked to in faith received its fulfillment in Jesus. We no longer offer animal sacrifices. No, Romans 12 verse 1 says, that the appropriate response to the mercies that you've been shown in Christ is to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Consider the character of that sacrifice. It's holy and it's acceptable. 
we are to be holy in that we have renounced sin and that we have set ourselves apart to follow Jesus. And we are to be an acceptable sacrifice, not because we deserve to be accepted, but because the offering is according to God's commands. In the response to our salvation, we produce good works that often cause us to make sacrifices of our time, energy, money, potential promotions, and the approval of the world. When we remember how desperate we were before the Lord rescued us from perishing, making these types of sacrifice to express our gratitude feels entirely appropriate. We respond out of love and gratitude. We love because he first loved us. Jonah expresses the response of a heart that is newly yielded to God. His response bears all the good fruit of willingness to follow God's call in his life. He intends to fulfill the vows he's made at death's door. The end of Verse 9, record the last words of Jonah's prayer, and they summarize what he's learned. Salvation belongs to the Lord. The Hebrew word that is used here for salvation can be used for physical deliverance, but when it's applied to the work of God, it implies the purpose of God to save in the fullest and deepest sense. This is the message that Jonah has been called to proclaim. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Jonah now realized that God sent him into the deep darkness, into the great fish, not to destroy him, but to save him. The passage concludes with God not only answering Jonah's prayer to be saved from drowning, but also his need to escape from the fish. Verse 10 says, And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon dry land. The Lord used Jonah's ordeal at sea and in the belly of the fish like a tool like a tool to correct, restore, and save his wayward prophet. And as you examine Jonah's prayer, you learn that God rescues and restores those who pray to him in faith. When Jonah thought that he was going to die by drowning or being swallowed by that giant fish, he called out to the Lord in prayer, and it was heard. The Lord hears prayers. He's willing to restore people who call out to him in faith and repentance, even those who have rebelled and betrayed and abandoned him. If your sin is great, his grace is greater. And once Jonah asked for help, the Lord answered, God used this dark providence to do a work in Jonah's heart. He gave him the willingness to finally submit. The help that God provides results not only in Jonah being rescued from drowning, 
and being consumed by the fish, but more importantly, it provides for the restoration and transformation of Jonah's soul. As you look at this text, you see that the Lord is sovereign, gracious, and compassionate. And you remember that the Lord is able to extend this mercy to Jonah, you, and me because Christ was hurled into the depths of Sheol. Pray to the Lord who hears, helps, and heals. Pray to the Lord who rescues. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we haven't missed how if we are to reread this chapter, it could be the Lord Jesus' prayer to you, O Father. We recognize and remember how He for our sake, was crucified and buried and how he rose again and all to bring us forgiveness. Lord, we uh, do ask that you would help us. You know we are a diverse body. And Lord, you know how some people are suffering, feeling like they are in a pit, Maybe they're going through a dry point in their walk, a health problem. Maybe they're struggling with sin, Lord. We would ask that you would hear our cries and that you would help and that you would bring healing. Lord, we need you that we would be able to present our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable. We would ask, O Lord, that you would hear our prayer and that you would help us. We'd ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.